This is Conducting Business. I'm Naomi Lewin. Vladimir Yurovsky just finished up a four-city tour of North America with the London Philharmonic, where he's been the chief conductor since 2007. Last month, the Philharmonic renewed his contract through 2018, and critics have frequently praised his artistic bond with the ensemble. Yurovsky also feels a strong connection to his native Russia and has definite opinions on the current state of civil liberties under Vladimir Putin. When we caught up with Yurovsky before his recent Carnegie Hall concert, I asked what keeps bringing him back to the music of Shostakovich and especially to that composer's Eighth Symphony. I love all the music Shostakovich wrote, even the one which is considered problematic because of its Soviet background. I just love this composer, and I feel very close to this composer, obviously because of my pedigree. My family knew him very well. My grandfather was very, I mean, not, they were very, very friendly, my grandfather and the Shostakovich, and we've got several scores of Shostakovich autographed and dedicated to my grandfather, which he gave to him. And your grandfather was? He was a composer. He studied by the same name as mine, so I, I was called in his memory, as it were, after he passed away, untimely. He studied with Nikolai Miaskovsky, one of the older fellow composers of Shostakovich, who also suffered from this anti-formalist Zhdanov campaign in 1948. And the name of Shostakovich was always pronounced with expression of awe and admiration in our family. And of course, there was a time when I kind of rebelled against the family traditions. And in my teens, I kind of turned away from Shostakovich, as many people did. But then I had one key experience in 1988. Age 16, I heard Leonard Bernstein, four consecutive concerts in Moscow. He gave with the youth orchestra from Schleswig-Holstein was the, the Northern German Festival, and they played uh, Shostakovich Symphony Number no. 1. So that was probably the first time when Shostakovich music brought me to tears, and I never thought a live performance of a classical work of music can do this to you. But thanks to Bernstein and those young players from the Schleswig-Holstein Orchestra, they did. So that was the kind of turning point of my relationship with this composer. And then I began dreaming of becoming a conductor myself and, and performing his music one day. I think Shostakovich was the last great symphonist of the 20th century. After Mahler and Sibelius, I can't think of anyone who would have um, embraced this 300-years-old tradition in such an epic way, and it's only not only the number of his symphonies, the 15 of them, it's the breadth of themes and the spectrum of emotions and, and musical colors, things put into notes, but things of also of extra musical nature, which he managed to put into notes. I was going to ask about that because there's been a lot of debate among historians about how much Shostakovich was putting political messages into his music. Do you think that is true? I'm absolutely certain that there are political messages in his music, but it doesn't make him, by definition, either a dissident or a brave Soviet citizen. He was neither. He was a typical representative of Soviet intelligentsia, of Russian intelligentsia, who 
considered it his moral duty to support with his art the freedom of thinking and freedom of speech. But he was but a human being with all the weaknesses. He was not a revolutionary. Uh, he was not a political activist. Everything he wanted to say and he had to say about life and about the circumstances of the life in that country at that time, he did with his music. But also he did it in such a way that his music certainly lives already much longer than the time in which it was created. So the time circumstances, the era, is gone forever. The music remains, which is a very good sign. Obviously, it's very difficult to judge something which has been created only a few decades ago as to how long it will survive. But I think already now we can say with certainty that Shostakovich's music, whether we like it or not, belongs to the world heritage of classical music. Although I think the word classical doesn't apply to Shostakovich because he was, he embraced it all. And his music is also incredibly multifaceted. Even in this Eighth Symphony, which was written during the war, and which is one of his most harrowing, gloomy works. There are elements of the entertainment music, even direct quotes of his own works written before the war for jazz orchestras. So I think Shostakovich is an heir to both Mahler and Tchaikovsky in this sense. On the subject of free speech, back in April, you led the London Philharmonic in a performance of Britain's War Requiem in Moscow, and you gave a spoken introduction to the audience, of course, in Russian, and you called the piece a celebration of love, specifically the love between Benjamin Britten and Peter Pierce, who were together at a time when gay relationships were illegal under British law. Well, well I didn't put it quite like this. Uh, my speech got translated rather amateurishly into several languages, and I heard various ways of putting it. What I said was that it is not a war requiem, as the title says. It is an anti-war requiem. It's a pacifist requiem, um, written in the times when pacifism was a swear word. And it's not only the victims of war and war action which it commemorates, it's also the victims of persecution for simply being different in every way, among other aspects, being of a different sexual orientation. And then I said that it's not only the author of the music and one of the first performers, Peter Pierce, but also the author of the text and three people to whom the Requiem dedicated all of his youth friends uh, who died. Two of them died in the war action, but one of them committed suicide in the mid-50s when there was a witch hunt in UK persecuting was, homosexuals. That's what I said. Was your message intended to comment on the current political climate in Russia? Against yeah, and I, I, I also spe specifically said that it's not only about the, the time back then. 
it's a, a, about time of today. And then I said in, that in the name of all the performers assembled today on stage, we would like to dedicate this performance of the Requiem to all victims of unjust persecutions in the world, wherever they would be and for which reasons they would be persecuted. That's what I said. And how did that go over with people in the audience? I think very well. I mean, people applauded it. And and how about officials some, in the audience? There were some, um, and according to eyewitnesses, their faces went kind of ash gray, but they swallowed it. You see, the, the interesting thing is that you can still say a lot in Russia unpunished if you do it in the right way. The problem is that it can hardly influence the political situation because people who are at the helm of the politics, they don't give a damn about any criticism coming from below. So like Owen said, all the poetry can do is but to warn. So all we can do is but to warn. We cannot change the situation. Individual human beings and artists, we can voice our disagreement as we do, and I am um, not alone there. But um, but you also I, do have colleagues in Russia who do not speak out. Do you think it's easier for you because you don't live there? Well, it's certainly easier for me because I hold a German passport and I don't live there. But I know a lot of colleagues of mine who live there and who still voice their disagreement. I think it's very much a matter of personal choice. Do you think you're going to be invited back to... We have been invited back because it was invitation of Olga Rostropovich. And it was very interesting that we came right in the middle of the Crimea crisis. And there were talks about some artists and orchestras canceling. The only two orchestras which did not cancel were Philharmonia and London Philharmonic, both from London. And we came, and Philharmonia with Esapekka, Salonen, they came and played Shostakovich Fourth Symphony, a very important political message as well. And we played Britain's War Requiem. So it, I, th I thought it was pretty perfect in terms of um, choice of repertoire and the time when to play this repertoire. And next time we're back there in 2016, and then I want to instigate a collaboration between LPO and two other Russian orchestras with which I am associated with the Russian National Orchestra and the State Academic Symphony, or so-called Yevgeny Svetlanov Orchestra, which I have been conducting for the last three years. So we did this type of collaboration in the past in London when Russian National came over and we played as a super orchestra on the same stage. And now I would like to do this thing in Moscow with the three orchestras playing on the same stage. It's interesting that the two big orchestras in London right now both have Russian conductors, you leading the London Philharmonic, Valery Gergiev leading the London Symphony. Do you get comparisons between the two of you? Sometimes in the press, but I think it, it's mainly referring to us both being of the Russian offspring. I actually think there is little to compare because A, we belong to different generations, B, our, we have completely different programming ideas and also, in a way, a completely different aesthetic of sound because Valery comes much more from this um, traditional Russian school. I have received this Russian school through my father, 
but I was educated in Germany. And for instance, I work a lot with period instruments and I'm very interested in early music as well as in the contemporary music. So I think also the two orchestras are two very different animals. And we are separated by the River Thames. <laughs> um, they're on the north bank, we're on the south bank. We have very different audiences and we play in different halls. So I think uh, London is a big enough city for not only two of the orchestras you mentioned, but many more orchestras to survive under the same sky. It's a difficult life we lead there, but an extremely exciting and an artistically very satisfying one. You just renewed your contract with the London Philharmonic through 2018. What are you looking forward to most over the next several years? Well, it's mainly harvesting the fruits of the long-standing relationship when we've been together for nearly 14 years now, since 2001, when I started being the music director at the Glyndebourne Festival. And we've done so much, both in the opera pit and on stage. And now there is this real chemistry and trust on both sides. And I'm very proud to be at the helm of this orchestra at this time. Vladimir Yurovsky is the principal conductor and artistic director of the London Philharmonic Orchestra. Brian Wise is the producer of Conducting Business. I'm Naomi Lewin. Thanks for listening.